This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, I want to take you back to 1944 and a sterling memory of Canadian history. Juneau Beach was one of five beaches of the Allied invasion of German-occupied France in the Normandy landings on June 6th of 1944. The Queen's Own Rifles of Canada reached its D-Day objective, and the 3rd Canadian Infantry Division had succeeded in pushing farther inland than any other landing force on D-Day. Meanwhile, on the radio, folks were listening to episodes of Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons, and that's where we begin with tonight's show. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, is on the air. gentlemen, the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste present Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction in one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime, the famous old investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. your smile everything you'd like it to be? Bright, sparkling, magnetic? If not, try the new Colonel's toothpaste thousands are raving about. It's a high-polishing toothpaste that acts like a jewelless polish in removing tarnish from silver. Quickly, but also gently, Colonel's erases stubborn surface stains from teeth, revealing all their glorious natural brilliance. Get Colonel's. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S. Colonel's toothpaste at your drugstore tonight. Now, Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons, who tonight takes from his files one of his most unusual and most bewildering cases, the case of the girl who flirted. The girl is an art student, gay and beautiful, but just a little too adventurous. It all starts one day in a museum, where Betty March is at work copying a painting, and a charming stranger walks up to say, Not bad. Not bad at all. Well, I beg your pardon. I'd... Almost say you had signs of talent, young woman. Well, I did not happen to ask your opinion. If anyone in this town knows painting, it's I. I ought to be curious with you. Are you? No. Just terribly amused. I like people to be unconventional. Tell me some more, mister, whoever you are. (laughs) 
Yes, that's how it started. Now, several days later, we find Mr. Keene in his office talking to a very distressed man, Robert Colby, assistant curator of the Manhattan Museum. I tell you, Mr. Keene, nothing's ever happened like this. In all the years since the museum was founded, the girl walked off in the midst of copying a painting. There's no sign of her since. Well, let's start at the beginning, Mr. Colby, shall we? First, what is the girl's full name? Elizabeth March. According to her application for a museum permit, she's now 22. Go on, Mr. Colby, please. Well, lately she's been copying that big painting by Whistler in the American Room. Oh, you mean the portrait of Mrs. Farmington and her daughters? Yes, that's right. Now, the last time I saw Betty was four days ago, Monday. Betty, eh? You're on familiar terms. She's lovely, Mr. Keene. Charming, spirited. Well, now, under what circumstances did you last see her? I dropped into the American room where she was copying the Whistler painting to ask her to lunch. She looked up from her easel and said, No, Mr. Robert Colby. No can do. Why not? Too busy, Bob. Oh, that man Whistler. Has he insulted you, Betty? Why did he always have to sign his paintings with those complicated little butterflies in one corner? I'm having an awful time trying to copy it. Oh, forget the butterflies, Betty, and come to lunch. I have a question to ask you. Oh, yes. I know. Dum, dum, da dum. Well, will you marry me? No, Mr. Robert Colby, assistant curator of the Manhattan Museum. I will not marry you. What's wrong with me? Nothing at all. That's the trouble. I don't understand. You're just too darn correct to be alive. What? The man I'm going to marry will have to be somebody exciting, somebody dashing, somebody dangerous. Oh, now, stop talking like a Greenwich Village bohemian. <laughs> See, you are a stuffed shirt. Still want to take me to lunch, Mr. Colby? No, I do not, Miss March. Goodbye and good luck. Well, yes, she certainly is a very spirited young woman, isn't she? What happened next? Well, I came back in the afternoon, Mr. Keene, to make up. Her easel was still there in its usual place, but no sign of Betty. So that night I went to her apartment. Still no luck. Again the next day and the day after. This morning, finally, I talked to the attendant in the American room. Did the attendant have anything to report? Great deal. After our little spat, Betty sat down at her easel to work again on the butterfly signature. A few minutes later, a tall, dark-haired man came by. He stopped by Betty's easel. The next thing the attendant heard Betty say something like this. I like people to be unconventional. Tell me some more, mister, whoever you are. I've seen you here many times before. And I've... Noticed you. Oh, have you? First time was in the Egyptian room. We bumped into each other in the tomb of the Pharaoh. I said, I beg your pardon, miss. And I said, I beg your pardon, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, something more. From where my easel stands, I have a very good view of the Italian room next door. And? You have been observed on three different occasions, standing there in front of the Annunciation of Paralini. Your spies have been busy. You admire the Annunciation very much, don't you? There's another work I admire even more. A 20th century masterpiece. You. <laughs> Wonderful. Who are you, anyhow? Just the man who wandered into a museum and saw a very beautiful girl? <laughs> Seriously. I could tell you better over lunch. Oh, lunch? Please. Well, I, I don't think I ought to give in so easily. Argue with me five minutes more. And did they finally go off together, Mr. Colby? Yes. 
After Betty finished up a few more details on the painting. Well, what do you think of it, Mr. Keene? Well, frankly, I don't like the sound of it. It wouldn't be the first time a girl was lured into something very unpleasant by a charming stranger. Then please, Mr. Keene, try to find her. I most certainly will, Colby. And as a first step, uh, tell me, is Betty's easel still standing there in the American room? Exactly as it was the last time she used it. Then take me there at once. There you are, Mr. King. Judging from this painting, Betty's a very talented girl. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Hmm. Did she usually place her stool in just this spot? Yes, it gave the best light. One moment. What is it, Mr. King? Why are you staring so hard at Betty's copy? I wonder if there's a magnifying glass handy. Have the attendant get one. Oh, Billings. Yes, Mr. Colby. Look into Mr. Vanderhoff's office, please, and ask him if I could have a magnifying glass for a moment. I'll be right back, sir. Mr. King, you've got me up a tree. First, you were talking about the position of the stool. And oh, yes. I... Uh, in fact, I am going to sit down on it right now and make a little investigation. Well, observe one thing. From this position, Betty at all times had a view through that open door into the next room. The Italian room. Oh, there comes the attendant now with that magnifying glass. Here you are, sir. Thanks. Uh, let me have it at once. All right. Oh, what are you looking for, Mr. King? I'm... I'm looking for a... By Jove, I found it. What is it? Colby, I was impressed by one thing. You told me how Betty went off with a stranger. But she stopped first to finish a few details. Asked for five more minutes to paint. Yes, yes. Now take this glass. I have it. Turn it on the butterfly signature in the corner. Concentrate on those very fine strokes in the wings. Wings? Yes, I see it now. Dear Bob, Studio Tool. She had a feeling she might be in danger. That message was just in case she didn't come back. Well, of course, but why? What danger? You know that restaurant? Yes, it's a hangout for artists in Greenwich Village. Let's go. Let's go as fast as we can. I take it, Miss Grudy, that you are the owner of this restaurant? Yes, that's right. Do you happen to know Miss Betty March? Of course. She is here often. I wonder if you remember her coming here last Monday for lunch. Well, uh... Don't uh, mind me, please. This isn't a case of a jealous lover. Well, in that case, yes. She came in with a tall, handsome man and took a table near the cash register here. The reason I remember so well... uh, Yes, Miss Grudy? Well... After an hour or so, the place was clearing out, and I heard Betty say, Well, thanks for a very good lunch and some grand conversation. You're not going already. You've got to. Back to the museum. Back to work. Silly idea. Why don't you come along to my place instead? I'll show you some of my own work. Well, it's very kind of you, but I couldn't, really. Would that be too unconventional? Well, I... Just a while ago, you were talking about how you loved adventure. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. Please, let go of my arm. No, you're coming along with me. Even if I have to kidnap you, darling. Let go of me. I'll scream. (laughs) If you do, I'll put my hand over your mouth and gag you, dear. Help! (laughs) You see, darling, it doesn't help. Better come along quietly now. (laughs) That's a good girl. 
And then what happened, Miss Goosey? Well, there was a car at the curb, and he took her inside and drove off. Great Scott, why didn't you stop him? Oh, well, you know these artists. I thought it was all in fun. Miss Goosey, did you get the license number by any chance? No, there didn't seem to be any reason. Well, thank you, anyhow. Well, not at all. I, well, I hope the poor girl hasn't come to any harm. Gone. Vanished completely. I'm afraid so, Colby. What do we do now, Mr. Now, now we play another hunch. What do you mean? Tell me something, Colby. What is the most valuable painting your museum owns? Oh, one that I mentioned before, the Annunciation by Ronaldo Perlini. Well, if you want my advice, remove it from the wall at once. What? Have it examined by the best technical expert on your staff. Do that, and I think I can still find Betty March. Vanderhoff, how's it coming? Do not disturb me. I will be finished in a moment. He's expert, Mr. Keene. He's been at it all morning. Now, calm yourself. How can I when Betty may be in danger of her life? This seems a very roundabout way of finding her, Mr. Keene, if you'll pardon my saying so. But it's the only way I know. Mrs. Vanderhoff, now he's finished. Come in, gentlemen. Thank you. Huh? There's the painting. Look at it, gentlemen. A magnificent work of art, as far as the eye can tell. Tell us, Mr. Vanderhoff, what did you find? First, Mr. Colby, in accordance with my usual routine, I subjected the painting to an X-ray examination. I followed this with a spectroscopic analysis. Yes, yes. Uh, finally, I tested minute portions of the pigmentation for chemical content. Well? Uh, gentlemen, <clears throat> I am compelled to report that this masterpiece is a fake. What? Very skillful. What a fake? Impossible. It is a fake, entirely so. The original has been stolen, this copy substituted in its place. That's exactly what I thought and feared. And who did this is one of the most skillful copyists alive. What type of paint did he use? Well, tempera, of course. Same as the original. Oil paint did not come into use until several centuries after Perolini. Uh, I must report this to the director at once. One moment, please, Mr. Vanderhoff. Uh, yes, Mr. Keene. You may also tell the director that I'll do everything in my power to recover the stolen original. Good, good. And that I strongly advise against any publicity at the moment. I will tell. Mr. King, two things aren't really connected. Of course they are. Betty's disappearance and the theft of the painting are one in the same case. But how? How? Well, here's my theory, Colby. The men who stole the Perolini are cautious, methodical people. They must have worked for months to prepare their fake painting. After that, it was only a question of finding the right moment to snatch the original from his frame and substitute the copy. Yes. They decided, of course, to do it on a Monday, when there were a few visitors in the museum. Yes, that's the day we charge admission. Usually only students are present. But that still left one obstacle. Betty. You remember I told you that from where she sat, she had a good view of the Italian room at all times? A perfect view of the painting to be stolen? Yes. Well, that's where the charming stranger came in. He was assigned to lure Betty away and keep her away. But why are they still holding her? It's my guess that she'd seen the man admiring the Annunciation just a little too often. He knew something was up. And at lunch with the charming gentleman, she probably gave herself away. Poor kid. So then she had to be held prisoner until the painting was safely disposed of. Uh, sent out of the country, perhaps. But what do we do now? 
What do we do now? Mr. Keene, you're supposed to be an investigator, not an echo. My dear fellow, I assure you I'll do everything possible. I'm sorry. Give me a moment. Uh, Let me... Colby, your expert just said that this fake painting was very skillful. But like the original, it was painted in tempera. It fooled me. Correct me if I'm wrong. There must be very few painters alive today who could do work like that in tempera. A few dozen, that's all, Mr. All right. I have an assignment for you. Because it takes an art expert. Yes? And if you don't come through, and if this doesn't find Betty, I don't know what will. Fire away, Mr. Keene. What's my assignment? Dig up all the catalogs of recent art exhibitions you can find. Go back ten years if necessary. Yes, yes. But get me the name of every outstanding artist in this country who paints in tempera. I will. Somewhere in that list will be the man who did that fake Paralini. We'll check over the entire list. By process of elimination, we'll find the forger and the gang that abducted Betty March. Right. Get to work at once. Now a brief intermission in Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, brought to you by Colonel's Toothpaste. Next time you meet the most successful man you know or the most popular girl... Take a good look at their teeth. Chances are they'll be sparkling and beautiful with all the magnetism your own smile should have. Examine your own teeth critically. If they're not every bit as brilliant and gleaming as they should be, if they show signs of being discolored by surface film, just do as thousands do. Try the new Colonos, a high-polishing toothpaste. Safely, speedily, Colonos helps brush away masking surface film, revealing the natural luster and brightness of your teeth. Your druggist has an ample supply of colonos on hand, so get a tube tonight and see what wonders it may do in helping you to add to the charm and appeal of your smile. Remember the name colonos, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, colonos, a high-polishing toothpaste. And now as the clock strikes midnight, we find Mr. Keene with his assistant, Mike Clancy. Well, Mr. Keene, I do hate to be breaking into your house at such a late hour, but here are some nice names Mr. Colby's dug up. That's quite all right, Mike, and thank you. And you should have seen the pile of catalogs he's gone through. Sure, he was still at his desk when I left the museum working like a beaver. Oh, Colby is still at the museum? That's right, sir. Mike, I suddenly feel another of my hunches coming over me. Well, out with it, boss. Something tells me that that stolen painting is still within the walls of the Manhattan Museum. No. It's easy enough to get a bundle into a museum, but taking one out... Oh, you mean that once they copped the painting, they couldn't get it past the door? Yes. For days now, they may have been keeping it in a place that they prepared for just such an emergency. But where? In the other part of the museum that this charming stranger used to hang around in. The Egyptian room. The tomb of the pharaoh. In a tomb? That's where we're going. Right now. Oh, no, boss. Among the mummies at midnight? Oh, no, Here it is, Mr. Keene. Tomb of King Mentot the Fourth. Thank you, Colby. This switch turns on all the lights inside. That's right. All right. You stand by at the door. Mike and I will have a look inside. Okay, Mr. Keene. Come on, Mike. Good luck. Oh, boss, there's a hundred other places I'd rather be than in an old cemetery like this. Don't worry. This 
Plenty of light in here. But all these narrow winding alleys. Plenty of spaces for folks to be hiding. Here, Mike, to the left. This should lead to the central chamber and the sarcophagus of the king. The, the Watson? A stone casket where the mummy lies. I'd like to move the lid and have a look inside. Well, I wouldn't. Relax, Mike. Here's the central chamber now and the sarcophagus. Seems to preserve it. Come now. Let's try the lid. Stand back. Don't move. Glory be. The mummies are talking. Oh, Mike. Mummies don't talk English. Stand back. Hands over your head. Coming from that doorway on the other side. Quick, let's get after it. Boss, the lights are gone out. Quick, turn on your flashlight, Mike. Oh. Help! He's trying to strangle me. I'll fix him. Come on, you. Here, I got him, boss. I... No, no, he's broken away. Your flashlight. Turn it on. Oh, I dropped it somewhere. Here, here it is. That's better. Boss, he pretty near flashed the coat off your back. Look what he left behind on the floor, Mike. Ten-inch knife. Now we know we're up against killers. Don't just waste time. Help me move the lid of that sarcophagus. Okay, sir. You ready now? All right, Mike. Now flash the light inside. Why, boss? It's there, Mike. The painting. But we've still got to find the girl. And she's in the hands of killers. Mr. Keene, I've narrowed the list of tempera painters down to a half dozen possibilities. These are all experienced artists, all over 40? That's right. I wish I could have stopped that fellow when he came tearing out of the tomb last night. Would have been a quicker way of finding Betty. If ever we're going to find her. Oh, never mind the stalk. The next step, uh, let's find out everything we can about the six men on this list. Anything that indicates shady activities in the past. Right. Let's hurry, because now that gang is desperate. Not for the East River, right outside the door. The river? Too bad. 
She's so nice looking. Yes. Too bad. Well, Mr. Keene, that reduces the possibilities to two. Does this fellow have her for Jones? What trouble was he in, Colby? He once tried to swindle an estate out of a very valuable Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. Also, there was once talk of some forgery. Very promising lead. Now the other fellow. He got into a different sort of trouble. Bad checks. And his name is... Bruno Carson. I see he lives over by the East River. Yes, but Haverford Jones seems more likely. The forgery angle. All right. We'll try him first. Let's go. There's no time to lose. No. Something tells me to try Carson first. I don't think Carson Why would... would a successful painter like he is live in a dismal place like the East River waterfront? Perhaps he likes to do river scenes. That's just the point. These catalogs show he's never done anything but portraits. But, Mr. Keene, the Get other... up that phone, Colby. Get me the harbor police right away. All clear, Carson? All clear, Tyler. The cop on the beach just walked up the block. Here. Help me carry her out on the pier. She's not going to start screaming. No chance. That gag is on good and tight. She's bound hand and foot. Okay. Straight ahead now, onto the pier. Maybe this isn't such a good idea. We could just beat it somewhere. Run away from the cops the rest of our lives? No, sir. Okay. Okay. All right, here we are. Get ready to swing. Up where you are. Hands up. It's that fellow Keene. Drop her, Tyler. Let's run for it. Up where you are. I'm warning you. Mr. Keene. What is it, Colby? Look, Betty's rolling off the pier. She's fallen into the water. I'm going in after her. I hope he makes it in time. The harbor police. They've got those men. But not for murder, I hope. Oh, Mr. Keene, wasn't Bob wonderful the way he went in after me? You certainly owe your life to him, Betty. Yes, to a stuffed shirt. With Bob? Whoever called you that? You did when I asked you to marry me. Oh, darling, will you ever ask me again? Well, Betty, will you marry me? You bet I will. Betty. Uh, Mr. Keene, I don't think we've properly thanked you. Oh, be my dear fellow. This is no time to stop to thank anybody. <laughs> <laughs> week at the same time when Mr. Keene brings us his next missing person's case. The case of the boy who used big words. Every girl and woman knows that in order to be popular today, one of the most important things she needs is an attractive smile. A smile that reveals clean and sparkling teeth. And to the man in business, Teeth that make a good impression are just as important, too. If you're not certain that your own teeth are as attractive as they should be, here's something you'll want to know. The new Colonos high-polishing toothpaste does wonders in helping to remove those dingy surface stains. Helps reveal the natural brilliance of your teeth that adds so much to the charm and personality of your smile. I'll tell you why it does this. 
Vaxion on teeth is like that of a jeweler's polish on tarnished silver. So start using Colonos, a high-polishing toothpaste yourself right away. You can get Colonos, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, Colonos toothpaste at any drugstore tonight. This is Larry Elliott saying good night for the makers of Colonos toothpaste and Mr. Keene. And this is Mr. Keene with one last word. I've been asked to bring to your attention the important fact that our country is still faced by a critical shortage of tires for civilian use. The tires you have now must last you indefinitely. Do not be misled by announcements that huge quantities of synthetic rubber are being made. They are, but they are required for military use. So do everything you can to make your tires last as long as possible. Drive only when necessary, at under 35 miles an hour. Keep your tires properly inflated and inspected. Recap your tires as soon as they need it, and share your car with others. Good night, and thank you all. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, will be on the air next Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern Wartime. Tomorrow night, listen to the big new musical, Friday on Broadway. All the song leaders of the day direct to you from the Gay White Way at 7.30 tomorrow night over most of these stations. Stay tuned for The Aldridge Family, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Aldridge Family. And now the Jell-O Family presents... Henry! Henry Aldridge! Coming, Mother! It's the Aldrich family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith, and starring Ezra Stone as Henry, with Jackie Kelk as Homer. And yes, it's the Jell-O family, with its three famous desserts. Jell-O in those six delicious flavors, regular Jell-O puddings with that old-fashioned homemade flavor, and Jell-O tapioca puddings. A miracle of goodness, a marvel of speed. Big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. typical teenage boy is a little like a mirror. No man can follow Henry Aldrich very long, for instance, without seeing a reflection of the boy he used to be. The scene opens in the cafeteria at Central High School. It is right after school. Gee, Homer, do I feel great. I haven't had a soda in two whole weeks. You're sure making up for it now. Boy, when I think of it. Giving up ice cream just so I wouldn't catch cold in my vocal cords. 
Boy, what a waste of time. Me, 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 me. I beg your pardon? Nothing. Only speaking of vocal cords, I'm just keeping mine limbered up. Homer, are you sure you don't want a soda? No, thanks. I'm not taking any chances with my voice. Me, 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 me. Boy, am I glad I'm not in the cast. Once the rehearsals for that operetta start, you'll be tied down every darn afternoon, you poor kid. I don't mind. Well, I'll be as free as a bird. I can go skating. I can go on hikes. And... See, I can do all kinds of things. All by yourself, Hen? There's Willie, isn't there? Willie? He's in the chorus with me. He is? Along with Toby and Charlie? Sure. Me, 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 me. Homer. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm kind of bored sitting here. Look, what do you say we go upstairs and just have a look at the bulletin board? I thought you said you were positive your name wouldn't be there. Sure, I'm positive. It just couldn't be there. Me, 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 me. Homer, are you sure you didn't see my name anywhere on the list? And I told you all I saw was my own name. <sighs> Gee, that's a relief. I don't know why I ever tried out for the darn thing in the first place. Me, 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 me. And besides, Homer, besides, do you really think Gilbert and Sullivan is any good anymore? Sure, don't you? Especially the Mikado. Gee, the way they'll have to make you up, nobody will ever recognize you. Not even your own family. Me, 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 me. Homer, I don't, I don't like to be rude, but if all you're going to say from now on is me, 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 frankly, the conversation's bound to get a little dull. It's Geraldine Love. I wonder if she's in the cab. Forget it, Homer. There are other people interested in other things other than operettas. My goodness, Henry, congratulations. You mean me, don't you, Geraldine? No, Henry. Why? Because I drank four chocolate sundaes in a row? Henry, I saw your name, you modest thing, you. Who, me? You saw his name where? On the bulletin board, my goodness. What? But I didn't make the operetta. It's impossible. You certainly did. Your name's up there as large as life. Why? Sure. Well, there must be some mistake, Geraldine. Y you must have seen Hank Allardyce's name. Henry, where are you going? Um, no place exactly. I just thought I'd casually go up and see who is, well, whose name is like mine. <laughs> Mildred, how on earth did his name ever get on that list? I'm almost positive you dictated it to me. Why would I do a thing like that? Henry Aldrich in the leading role of the Mikado? I know. Mildred, you'll just have to hunt him up immediately and tell him the whole thing was a mistake. You mean I have to tell him? Mr. Cooper, may I have a word with you, please? Oh, oh certainly, Mr. Bradley. <laughs> on your way, Mildred. But Mr. Cooper... Mildred? Now, Mr. Cooper, my calendar tells me we're nearing operetta time again. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> yes. Now, there's nothing that makes me happier, Mr. Cooper, than to see you put on your little show once a year. Thank you, sir. And when the time comes, I'll buy my ticket and I'll attend the performance as a total stranger, I hope. That, that, that's fine, Mr. Bradley. <laughs> I mean by that, Mr. Cooper, I'd appreciate it if I could be completely excluded from all plans and preparations. Oh, certainly, sir. And I trust you'll keep the auditorium doors tightly closed during rehearsal? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tightly. Yes. Uh, you'll also do everything in your power to see that the entire school isn't disrupted by your little show. I give you my word, Mr. Bradley. Nothing will go wrong this year. <laughs> and let's not borrow quite so much furniture this time. Uh, sir? 
We were still returning last year's in June. Excuse me, Mr. Cooper. Henry Aldrich is Hello, here. Hello, Mr. Cooper. Uh, Henry. Uh, and how are you feeling, Mr. Bradley? Just fine, Henry. How are you? Me, boy. I'm on top of the world. Uh, Henry, uh, if you'll step back into the hall, Mildred has something to say to you. She wants to give me my card? Uh, she'll tell you about it. Okay. And thank you for everything, sir. Mr. Cooper... Don't you think it would be more official if you told him? Mildred, it was your mistake. Operetta trouble, Mr. Cooper, so soon? It's nothing for you to worry about, Mr. Bradley, I assure you. Uh, goodbye, Mildred. Oh, dear. Mildred, did you hear the good news about me, I mean? Listen, Henry. Boy, this is the first decent break I've had since the princess and the woodcutter. Henry, there's something I have to tell you. It was in kindergarten, see, and I could swing an axe as well as the next fellow. But the whole trouble was my hair. Henry! A little kid with curly hair got the part. But I didn't mind. <laughs> Gee, my life was just starting. Henry, please listen to me. What's the matter, Mildred? Didn't you get a part in the operetta? B because if you didn't, I'd be glad to ask Mr. Cooper to give you another chance. <gasps> Henry, you're only making things worse. What's going on here? Oh, nothing, Mr. Bradley. I was just telling Mildred... I can't do it, that's all. Henry, what have you said to Mildred to upset her like that? <laughs> Nothing. What did you say to her? Well, do you all we were talking about was the operetta, Mr. Bradley. Operetta? So it's starting to upset the entire school already. Mr. Bradley, I hope you don't feel that getting the leading part has gone to my head. Uh, what's that? The leading part? You? You mean you're bowled over, too? <laughs> I'm very glad you phoned, Mr. Cooper. I was considering writing him a letter, Mrs. Aldrich, but then it occurred to me that his mother might be the best one to tell him. No, I'm sure I won't have any difficulty, Mr. Cooper. I can't tell you how sorry I am the whole thing happened. Oh, well, I'm sure Henry doesn't really believe he's playing the lead in your operetta. He doesn't? There's one thing about us, Aldriches. We know our failings. Yes, but... And just between you and me, Mr. Cooper, Henry can't sing a note. Oh, I wouldn't say that, Mrs. Aldrich. It's just that he can't sing them in the right order. I think I hear him coming in now. Well, good luck, Miss. Oh, I'm sure I won't have any trouble. Goodbye. Minstrel, I a thing of shreds and hatches, a ballad songs, and hello, Mother. Hello, Henry. Three guesses what I'm singing. Na -na 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 -na. Uh, yes, dear. And guess what else? I'm to play the lead in the operetta. Yes, dear. Sit down. Sit down? Gee, I can't take time to sit down for the next month. I've got to get started on my homework. Your homework? Sure, and get some decent marks so I don't get thrown out of the cast. Henry, you can sit down for a minute. You and I have to have a little talk. We do? Okay. And now then. Me, 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 me. Dear, do you think that's nice? You go ahead and talk, Mother. I'll just be rehearsing in between. Me, 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 me. <laughs> Henry. Yes, Father? Uh, what, Father? Yeah, that is, uh, uh, your mother wanted me to explain something to you, so uh, did you enjoy your dinner, son? I'll say, boy, who wouldn't enjoy a dinner like that? Yes. Why do you su suppose Mother had all my favorite things tonight? Even strawberry shortcake a la mode. Oh, well, that's because, uh, well, we're all extremely fond of you, son. You are? Extremely. Gee, thanks. And, uh... Sit down, Henry. Sure. And anyway, I think I know. Know what? 
why everybody in the family is suddenly being so nice to me. Because for the first time in my natural life, you can be proud of me. Henry, some people might be proud because their children can play a leading role in an operetta, but personally, you know how I judge my children? How, Father? By the way, they can take a disappointment. Well, boy, I've certainly taken plenty of them in my time, haven't I? <laughs> well, now... And you know, Father... When I used to come home from school year after year, and you'd say, did you make the football team? Or are you in the orchestra? And I'd say no. Uh, Henry. And you used to say to me, gee whiz, Henry, why let them get you down? So you didn't make it this year. Okay, keep trying. You'll make it next year. Uh, Henry. Well, now I'll let you in on a secret, Father. Frankly, I always thought you were kind of talking through your hat. Oh, you did? But now... Boy, now I realize that's all a person has to do. Just keep trying, and sooner or later you're bound to get a break. That's true. But uh, on the other hand... And gee, Father, as long as I live, I'll never forget that lesson you taught me. Yes. Uh, would you excuse me a minute? Alice! Father, what is it you wanted to tell me? Alice, where are you? Out here in the hall. Did you tell him, Sam? Well, we, we've been discussing it. You mean you haven't told him? Alice, it isn't just the fact that he thinks he's playing the lead. It's... It's what, Sam? Look, why can't we phone the school and have someone there tell him? Dear, I thought you were impatient with me because I was afraid to tell him. Alice, I don't think you realize how important this is to the boy. Hey, Henry. Hello, everybody. Isn't it wonderful? Well, what's wonderful, Homer? Gee, the way Henry's overcome all his handicaps and landed on top of the pile. What's that? Hey, Han, are you in the living room? Sam, what does he mean by Henry's handicap? Han? Hi, Homer. You're just in time. I am? For what? I'm just going to do a little rehearsing. You can tell me if I hit a bum note here and there. You? A bum note? I hit them, Homer. I hit them. Oh, go on. You're just being modest. Didn't Mr. Cooper pick you for the lead out of the whole school? Yeah, and the more I think about it, the more I'm more surprised than anybody. Come on, you want me to play the piano for you? Sure, here's the music. Okay. Let her rip. <clears throat> now, Henry. The flowers that bloom in the spring. Tra -la. What happened to the tra-la? <laughs> you must have hit a wrong note. Oh, I guess so. Well, let's start again. The flowers that bloom yes, in this... Henry. Yes, Father? Could you come into the dining room for a moment? Sure. Homer, you be practicing that part meanwhile. What is it, Father? Henry, uh, I've just been having a discussion with about something with your mother, and I wanted your opinion. Sure. Is it regarding music? Uh, well, not exactly. In a few weeks, Henry, I'm making a trip to Washington on business, and uh, your mother and I wondered if you wouldn't like to go along. To Washington? No! Yes! Gee, there's nothing in this world I'd rather do. Boy! Of course, it would mean resigning from the operetta, but after all, a trip to Washington. Father, when would you be going? When is the operetta? The week of the 27th. That's when we're going. <laughs> You mean I'd have to give up my part? I'm afraid so. But, Father, what would Mr. Cooper say? Everybody think I was walking out on him. Henry, I'm sure you could explain it to them. I couldn't explain it to Geraldine very well. She's playing opposite me. Well, yes, She but... might even take it personally. But, Henry, you've never been to Washington, D.C. It's the capital of your country. Sure, Father. And I appreciate your offering me the trip. But, Henry... But duty comes first. Come on, Homer. Let's get back to work. Okay, and I 
think I know where I was making my mistake. Let's go. The flowers that bloom in the spring, tra-la, breathe promise of merry sunshine. As we merrily dance and we sing, tra-la. Hey, Homer. Yeah? You got a little closer that time, but you're still kind of flat. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ham. Oh, that's okay. Some people just don't have any ears for music. It isn't their fault. Gee, I could have sworn I was sticking to the music. Uh, Yes, Mother. Dear, uh, have you looked at it this way? Looked at what? There really isn't any money in singing. There isn't? I'm afraid not, dear. You see, organizations that hire singers usually can't afford to pay very much. Well, I, I know, well, For but... instance, you take our church group. While we'd love to be able to afford a singer, our budget just won't permit it. Gee whiz, Mother, if that's all you're worried about, I'd be glad to sing at your church. <laughs> and I wouldn't think of charging. Oh, dear. Sam! Henry isn't the only one who's anxious to sing. Here are a few notes from Meredith Wilson and his talking people. Intermission! Intermission! Jell-O is the grandest dessert in the world. And now, back to the office. Hey, wait just a minute here. How can you interrupt the office family in such a crucial situation? Well, you can always interrupt with anything as tempting as Jell-O's six delicious flavors. Starting with strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, lime, and every one of those rich, fruit-like flavors reminds you of the real ripe fruit itself. Flavor that's locked right into Jello, locked in so that it can't possibly get out until your first delectable spoonful. That's fine. Intermission over. Curtain, curtain, curtain going up. Hey, hold it there. Intermission is not over. I haven't even begun to tell the people half of the wonderful things about Jello, all the variety of salads and desserts that you can make so easily with any one of Jello's six delicious flavors. Take, for instance, uh, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, lemon, lime. Okay, kids, you win. J-E-L-L-O. And now, back to the Aldrich family. Yes, getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Due to a mistake, Henry has gotten the impression that he has to play the lead in the school's production of the Mikado. The task of informing Henry of the error has been passed from one to the other with the result that no one has told him. The scene opens in Geraldine Love's house. It is the next day. But, Mother, he's so unreasonable about the whole thing. Who's unreasonable, Geraldine? Charlie Clark, Mother. Haven't you been listening? Well, well yes, Just but because I... he didn't get the leading part in the operetta, and Henry Aldrich did. He says he has a far better voice, and all Henry got the part on was his good looks. He got it on what? His good looks, Mother, his good looks. Haven't you noticed Henry in the right light recently? No, I can't say I have. Well, anyhow, Charlie Clark's so mad he says he's through with the Dramatic Society, the Debating Society, and the Promotion of International Goodwill Society. In fact, he says he's going to leave school. Who is? Charlie Clark, Mother, my goodness, haven't you been listening? <laughs> Come right in, please. Thank you. 
Gee, Professor Everett, I guess you hardly remember me, huh? Uh, Henry Aldrich, you said? Yes, sir. I used to take piano lessons from you. You did? Sure, for two years. Then you had to go away on a long vacation. (laughs) Yes, I remember now. I'll never forget it. Well, how nice of you to drop in, Henry. Thank you. A social call, I hope? Uh, not exactly. You see, up until recently, I didn't have any voice to speak of. But all of a sudden, it seems to have turned into something. Is that so? And while I'm not sure I ought to take on more studies, I'd just be interested in learning what you charge. For singing lessons? Yes, sir. And since my folks have poured so much money into you in the past, well, I I thought I'd try to swing this myself. I see. Well, suppose you sing something for me. Sure. Uh, Do you happen to be familiar enough with Titwillow to accompany me? I'll do my best. Okay. Me, 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 <clears throat> On a tree by a river, a little tom tit sang, Willow, tit willow, tit willow. <laughs> and, and I said to him, Dicky Bird, why do you sit singing willow, tit willow? Well, is it weakness of it? Huh? That's fine, Henry. But, but I learned all three verses. Uh, yes, but uh, frankly, Henry, I'm inclined to agree with you. About my voice? No. You really shouldn't take on any more study. <laughs> Thank you. Toby Smith, did you hit George over the head with your violin? No, sir. He just stood up. (laughs) Order. 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 Now, I just want to say one thing. We start rehearsals with the cast in two more days, and they're going to need some recognizable music. So let's go through a wandering minstrel once again. And please don't play anything you haven't got. There's enough missing already. A one, two, three. You mean the auditorium doors weren't closed? They were, Mr. Cooper, but may I have a word with you out here in the hall? Well, I certainly, certainly, Mr. Badley, certainly. Uh, will the orchestra please stay put? After you, Mr. Cooper. No, 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 sir. After you, Mr. Badley, sir. First of all, I've just had a very interesting telephone conversation with Mrs. Aldrich. Henry's mother? Yes. It seems that Henry still thinks he's going to play the lead in your operetta. Oh, no, Mr. Bradley. I phoned his mother yesterday myself. She told him. But the fact remains, she hasn't told him, nor has anyone else told him. Why not? He says that isn't the question. She wants to know why you allowed Henry to believe he was playing the lead in the first place. Oh, may I explain that? When I have finished, I have here a petition signed by some 30 students headed by the name of Charlie Clark, stating that unless Charlie is given the leading role, they will drop out of all school activities, including the drive to raise funds for new trays in the cafeteria. And now, Mr. Bradley, may I explain? When I have finished, 
I also have a letter here from the mother of a student named Mildred Carter. You know her, of course. Uh, she's the girl who posted Henry's name on the bulletin board. The child is in bed as the result of a nervous collapse. <laughs> well, I, I, I... Once more, Mr. Cooper, you are putting on an operetta. And once more, the operetta is upsetting the entire school. Very well, Mr. Bradley. I'll tell Henry myself that he is not playing the lead in the Mikado. About that, Mr. Cooper, I have here a report from no less than six of Henry's teachers who say that overnight he's showing more industry and application than anyone else in his classes. Who, Henry Aldrich? The boy has apparently taken a new lease on life. Why, that, that's astounding. And in view of the fact that scholastic standing is always of prime importance... Uh, yes, sir. How can you now take Henry Aldrich out of the leading part in your operetta? But, but... But, Mr. Bradley, what am I going to do? The question is, Mr. Cooper, what am I going to do now that your little operetta has turned the entire school upside down? Sam, I don't see how you can possibly go through with it. Alice, I've just attended a two-hour meeting of the entire high school faculty. The entire faculty? And this is what was decided. And there's nothing to do now but let Henry know. I wouldn't have the courage. Courage or not, it's my fault things have gone as far as they have. Henry! Yes, Father? Will you step into the living room, please? Sam, I've known people who were scarred for life because of a thing like this. Were you calling I, Father? Yes, Henry. Uh, Alice, I think you'd better leave. I think so, too. Henry, I'll be out in the kitchen making you a chocolate cake. Father, is there something wrong with Mother? No, Henry. Just sit down. Okay. Henry, can you take some bad news? Yes, sir. It's about the operetta. You mean because you're going to Washington, you won't be able to hear me sing? Henry, I'm going to let you have it straight from the shoulder. <laughs> Son, and we're proud of you. Well, thanks. Oh, and listen, I have a couple of things to take care of. I'll be right back. Alex, let's work our way over there where it's quiet. Doesn't Henry look cute? Look at the way he's rushing around. Alice, when you get down to it, isn't youth amazing? It certainly is. And to think I dreaded telling Henry that instead of playing the lead... He was to be head stage manager. The best stage manager Central High ever had. Yeah, nobody but a boy could take it on the chin like that and bounce right back again. I'm all ready, Father. Henry, what are you doing with that suitcase? Gee whiz, I'm all packed. What time does our train leave? What train? For Washington, for Washington. <laughs> what? Sure, Father. Isn't this the night you said you were taking me? Alice. Uh... Sam. Henry, your mother has something to tell you. Sam, I 
swelling tonight's operetta. Oh, thanks, Henry. You were a wonderful business manager, too. Oh, gee, thanks. You know, you could make singing your whole future career. Oh, no. I've got another career all picked out. You have? My goodness, yes. I want to marry a famous businessman. Don't you mean a business manager? Well, speaking of careers, what a famous one Jell-O has made for itself as America's favorite gelatin dessert. Yes, Jell-O. The luscious, shimmering dessert that comes in six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. All six rich with that famous locked-in goodness. Tomorrow, try Jell-O peach and banana mold. Just prepare one package of lime Jell-O as usual. Then pour your Jell-O over one-half cup of drained canned sliced cling peaches arranged in a mold. Add one sliced banana and chill until firm. It's a quick and easy dessert to make and it's so gay to look at, so tempting to eat. Stock up on Jell-O for the weekend. Look for those big red letters on the box. Those big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Family starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelk as Homer. It's written by Patricia Jowdry and Del Dinsdale with music by Jack Miller. Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich are House Jameson and Catherine Roth. And this is Dan Seymour in New York saying, The Aldrich Family is brought to you by the Jell O Family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O pudding. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tap. Fioca parties. Yes, sir. And now stay tuned for the Burns and Allen show, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Sealed Book, followed by Red Skelton. Thanks to Joel Shonwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.